WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. A group of Rockingham County students is vowing a lengthy fight over the school board's recent decisions. A trial date is set for the former UVA student accused of murdering three of his schoolmates in 2022. And in the General Assembly, the governor's tax proposal fails its first test, but another change to the tax code to help lower-income families advances. This is the WMRA Daily for Tuesday, February 6th. Some students in Rockingham County are vowing a lengthy fight with the school board over its recent decisions. The Harrisonburg Citizen reports that nearly 150 students, parents, and supporters attended a private rally at Court Square Theater in Harrisonburg on Saturday. Students spoke out about their opposition to the board's decision to temporarily remove 57 books from school libraries and to adopt the governor's model policies regarding students' sex and gender identities. The speakers also criticized the board for bypassing existing procedures for evaluating which books should be stocked in school libraries. You'll find more coverage of the school board controversy at WMRA.org. More than two years after they began, unionization efforts at the Hershey plant in Stewart's draft have languished, WMRA's Randy B. Hagee reports. The Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, or BCTGM, has been in a standoff with the Hershey Chocolate Company of Virginia for more than two years. After a failed vote in March of 2022 and charges of illegal union busting and retaliation against a union sympathizer, those charges ended with Hershey settling with the sympathizer and agreeing to throw out the previous election results and let workers hold another vote without interference. The rerun election was scheduled for the end of January. Email exchanges between BCTGM, Hershey, and the National Labor Relations Board obtained by a Freedom of Information Act request show that the union officially withdrew its petition for an election on January 18th. John Price, the union's director of organization, told WMRA that the company's previous actions continue to have a chilling effect on workers, and the union decided to hold off on an election they likely couldn't win at this time. He said they will continue to meet with and educate workers. For WMRA News, I'm Randy B. Hagee. You can find previous coverage of efforts to unionize at the plant at WMRA.org and on the app. A trial date has been set for the former University of Virginia student accused of murdering three of his schoolmates in 2022. The Daily Progress reports the trial of Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. is set to take place over three weeks early next year. Jones is accused of shooting five unsuspecting or sleeping students inside a chartered bus that had returned to UVA grounds from a field trip in Washington, D.C. the night of November 13, 2022. The gunfire killed three students, Cavalier football players Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry, and injured two others, Marley Morgan and Michael Hollins. The Augusta County Expo Center is hosting a free clinic April 13th and 14th, offering medical, dental, and vision care. It's being put on by the University of Virginia-run chapter of the Free Clinic Nonprofit Remote Area Medical. Organizers are currently looking for volunteers who are medical professionals, have experience interpreting, or can help with other operations. You can find more information at volunteer.ramusa.org. Bob Good, who represents Virginia's 5th District, has introduced the Blue Ridge Fire Safety Act in Congress to build an emergency access road at Wintergreen Resort. 
Cardinal News reports the access road would connect to the Blue Ridge Parkway. The road would act as an emergency exit during wildfire evacuations. It would allow travel to the parkway from Laurel Springs Drive. It's currently the only road in and out of Wintergreen. The resort has already started the route and is now waiting on permits to finish the job, which they hope will be completed in the next six months. On to the latest from the General Assembly now. Governor Yunkin's proposal to cut income taxes and raise the sales tax has failed its first test in the General Assembly. The Daily Progress reports that a Senate committee recommended carrying over the legislation until next year and leaving it to a joint tax policy subcommittee to consider. Senator Cree Deeds of Charlottesville said that modernization of the state's tax code is overdue, but that the governor's plan took too much out of the revenue stream. Similar legislation is still before a House committee. But another change in taxes is advancing. People struggling to make ends meet in Virginia might be about to get some help. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope explains why. Democrats in Richmond are pushing a $30 million plan that could lead to hundreds of extra dollars in the pockets of struggling families the next time tax refunds arrive in the mail. It's called an earned income tax credit. And Delegate Sia Price is a Democrat from Newport News who says this is a way to help those most in need. We can provide economic relief for families actually struggling to pay the light bill, actually struggling to pay for their groceries, and those living paycheck to paycheck. Her bill hit a roadblock this week when a subcommittee recommended that the idea be studied until next year, although it still could be included in the House's proposed budget later this month. The Senate version of the bill was introduced by Senator Aaron Rouse, a Democrat from Virginia Beach. The earned income tax credit is something that should matter to all of us in the Senate because it would help people in all corners of our Commonwealth, both rural and urban. His bill will be considered by the Senate Finance Committee later this week. Both the House of Delegates and the Senate have approved a bill banning assault-style weapons. Michael has that report. During a debate on the Senate floor, Republican Senator John McGuire of Goochland County repeatedly implied people have a God-given right to have an assault-style weapon, prompting this exchange with Senate Majority Leader Scott Suravelle. Can the senators cite to me where in the Bible it talks about AR-15s, assault rifles, or for that matter, guns? The senator I, from Goochland has the floor. It is our God-given right to protect ourselves enshrined in the Constitution. And I got to tell you, we have mental health issues. We talk about the General Assembly, but really there's a problem with an evil heart. Senator Suha Subramaniam is a Democrat from Loudoun County who says he worries about these weapons intimidating people in public places like a farmer's market. We're talking a lot about rights here right now, and I just have to say that we have a right to feel safe in public places. And we have a right to feel safe in our communities. And people brandishing assault weapons does not make us feel safer. Uh, people having assault weapons on them does not make us safer in any sort of way. The House and Senate have now both passed an assault weapons ban, which means the governor is likely to make the final determination. During his State of the Commonwealth address last month, he said Virginia already has the toughest gun laws in the nation, and he'd rather see legislation increasing penalties for people who commit crimes with guns. Uh, Michael Pope. Legislation is advancing through the House of Delegates to safeguard a program that cuts insurance premiums for plans sold on Virginia's health exchange. After last year's budget dispute left the program's future uncertain, Fairfax Delegate Mark Sickles submitted a bill to ensure continuity. Bradley Marsh, a policy advisor with the State Corporation Commission, talked with a House committee 
about the proposal. We need direction on, on where to set the parameters this year, and there currently okay. exists no direction. It clears up that issue. Without the Commonwealth Health Reinsurance Program, people with state exchange plans would have paid an average of $95 more each month. Virginia legalized possession of small amounts of marijuana in 2021, but selling cannabis is still illegal. Members of the General Assembly are debating who gets to buy and sell marijuana and when. Chad Khalil with VPM News reports. Delegates are considering a bill in the Virginia House that would let the state's medical marijuana companies start selling weed for adult use as soon as July 1st. J.M. Padini heads the Virginia branch of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Normal's priority is ensuring that consumers have access to marijuana that is safe, convenient, and affordable, and in this case, sooner rather than later. Lawmakers and advocates on the other side of the debate say not so fast. Senator Aaron Rouse is a Democrat from Virginia Beach. He's sponsoring a bill in the Senate. A non-negotiable is allowing pharmaceutical companies to go to market before small businesses have an opportunity to even come to market. His concern is that medical marijuana companies will take control of the market and shut out small businesses and those who are affected by the war on drugs. His bill starts sales later, January 1st, 2025. This is the trade-off legislators are considering. We'd sale sooner with what could be a less equitable market or holding off to make it easier for smaller and minority-owned businesses to get into the business. Jed Khalil reporting. The House of Delegates voted across party lines Monday to make it easier for localities in Virginia to impound all-terrain vehicles driven illegally on public streets. Virginia Public Radio's Brad Kuttner reports. The bill comes after complaints from both cities and counties. Hampton area Democratic delegate Juwan Ward described it as a constant nuisance. They had all seen a rise in unregistered ATVs, dirt bikes, and motorcycles on their streets, disrupting traffic, endangering the public. The bill requires localities to approve an ordinance first, but once put in place, it would allow police to seize such vehicles if they're, quote, unlawfully operated. Police departments were part of the request for new authority, according to Ward. But they had tried to write tickets. They did everything that they could do, and it didn't work. A similar version of the effort has already worked its way through the Senate, despite concerns from some rural lawmakers, including Richland's area Republican Senator Travis Hackworth. He worried about unregistered ATVs being used on farms. Doing this could give the authority for a maybe governing body um, to go against the will of some of the more rural counties. The Senate version made it out of that chamber with bipartisan support after Roanoke area Republican Senator David Suterline voted in favor of the bill. It'll likely head to Governor Glenn Youngkin's desk later this session. Legislators from both parties supported a seemingly simple effort to legalize skill games at the start of the General Assembly session, but the issue recently got a lot more complicated, and Brad has more. The original version of the House and Senate bills to legalize skill games were about five pages long. But after Alexandria area delegate Paul Krizik got through with it late last week, it jumped to 71 pages. So there's plenty of ways to lose your money, maybe maybe when. That's Krizik, who chaired the subcommittee meeting Friday, which was almost entirely devoted to amendments to the House skill game bill he and others released about a day earlier. Among the changes are a new three-tiered licensing fee structure, switching oversight from Virginia ABC to Virginia Lottery, more limits on the number of machines that can be installed, limits on the win amounts from 
single locations, as well as more money for lottery and state police to develop enforcement systems. We would uh, we would really be able to tamp down all of the illegal gaming that might be going on out there. The bill would also push legalization to the start of 2025, and perhaps most devastatingly, it would empower localities to pass ordinances or put the issue on the ballot before it becomes legal within their community. That means lots of lobbying by skill game companies to convince local officials to allow their games. Chesapeake area Democratic delegate Cliff Hayes, the original bill's patron, appeared a bit shocked by the changes. Well, again, we'll just continue with the conversation. The bill was still unanimously approved, and it'll head to full committee next. Whether the House and Senate can find a middle ground that Governor Glenn Youngkin can also sign off on remains to be seen. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. Finally today, organizers call it the Australian Invasion, a massive art exhibit of Aboriginal art at five different locations across Charlottesville just opened. Virginia Public Radio's Sandy Hausman reports. At first, the scene seems familiar. People sipping white wine from plastic cups, strolling from one room to the next, admiring works on the walls. You see the landscape, of course. You see the dream style. And that looks like the Australian Outback. That's what color the Australian Outback is. But within minutes, it's clear something very different is in store at the Kluge Roo Museum. The floor vibrates as the music of the Australian Aboriginal people floats through the galleries. Four men with traditional instruments parade through the crowd, sharing the story of crocodiles and warriors in Arnhem Land, the far northeastern part of Australia. Curator Henry Scarrett says the song, the paintings and prints on the walls descend from the oldest continuous art tradition on the planet. The works are rich in texture with repeating patterns and images of nature, reflecting the spiritual beliefs of the artists. There are ways of seeing and understanding the world that are very different to the ways that we here in the United States see and value the world. It also says we are all connected. And artist Joshua Taide says these works speak to the resilience of his people in their fight to preserve their culture and protect their land. It means standing up from where you're sitting and going again, and standing up and going again. He and seven other Aboriginal men and women were welcomed in Cherokee and English by Cody Grant, UVA's tribal liaison. It is a great honor to visit with you today. I'm very glad that the Creator was able to guide you here safely to spend time with us, and I hope I get to see you again. In our language, we don't have a word for goodbye, so we say, <laughs> which means until we see each other again. And future meetings are possible. The museum has hosted more than 400 indigenous artists and scholars since Charlottesville resident John Kluge donated his massive collection to the University of Virginia. In 1988, Kluge, one of the richest men in the world, visited an exhibition called Dreamings, the Art of Aboriginal Australia in New York, and he, like many people, fell in love with it. Unlike many people, he had the money to hop on an aeroplane immediately and go to Australia and start buying with a budget and a speed that no one could match. He would also purchase the collection of Edward Rue, a professor at the University of Kansas who discovered Aboriginal art as a visiting professor. Today, the museum is the most significant collection of its kind outside Australia, with more than 3,600 pieces. 
It stores many of them in a climate-controlled room filled with cabinets that contain narrow drawers stacked 20 high. Scarrett invites translator Mayatili Marika to view one particular painting on bark. She's moved to tears, seeing this work, which was created by her father and grandfather. And I have to see the spirit of my grandfather and my father in this. And I, um, I don't really have sufficient adjectives to articulate the power and the life force that this brings me right now standing here. The show is called Madain, a word that means sacred. It will be on display until July 14th at the museum and the Freilin on campus, the Second Street Gallery, Les Yeux du Monde, and the Rotunda. Then it will travel to the Asia Society in New York, where John Kluge had his first encounter with Aboriginal art. In Charlottesville, I'm Sandy Houseman. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your Tuesday.